Welcome to Be With The Word. This is episode 42, and it is the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And you are on Be With The Word, where we reflect on the Sunday readings from a psychological perspective. I am Dr. Jerry Crete, licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm Dr. Peter Melanowski, clinical psychologist here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And have we got a show for you. Today, the theme is... The three principles for exercising real love. And we're going to examine how to do that, so what those principles are, and what are the psychological barriers to be able to actually put it into place. Right. So that's that's important because that's what we do with this show, and that's what we do in Souls and Hearts, is that we focus on the psychological barriers. There's other barriers, too. There's moral barriers. There's spiritual barriers. We don't address those as much. We touch on them sometimes. This show, and Souls and Hearts broadly, is all about the psychological obstacles or the psychological barriers. We always want to keep that in mind, right, that that's what we're emphasizing here, because I think it gets so de-emphasized outside, right? I mean, in a lot of places, you you just don't hear about the psychological perspective. So that's our whole uh, focus, right? Is that grace builds on nature and what are the psychological aspects of nature that prevent grace from working? Right. What's that foundation? How can we shore up that natural foundation for, you know, the, uh, the spiritual life to be built upon, right? Because grace, like you were saying, Jerry, grace perfects nature. It doesn't destroy it. That's straight from St. Thomas Aquinas. And so that's what we're all about. And that's actually the, the whole reason for souls and hearts is because we think that that's been um, underserved, you know, that that information hasn't gotten out there as much. And so we're really hoping to correct that. And I think right now in our day, in our age, you know, when we have so much, um, so much uh, dysfunction, disorder in the natural realm, and that's, that's just, that just colors the way that we see things. It colors the way that we understand things. So we're, we're here to, to, to do our bit to, to help people really grip onto the things that they need in the natural realm to uh, to better journey along that that path to God. So so how are you doing today, Dr. Peter? I'm doing well. I'm excited about these readings. I'm excited about being here with you, Dr. Jerry. It's uh, it's a blessing and an honor and a, privilege, and a privilege to be here with you and with our audience. I'm always excited. I always get pumped up, even if I'm having a tough day. I've been really busy today, but now I'm like getting back in the groove. It's great to be with you. I think it's going to be good. Was well, it been good. really busy on the farm? Uh, it's been extremely busy on the farm. Yeah, partly because of COVID, because we've lost a lot of the, the, the boys and the girls that help us out here. And so we're having to like massively overhaul the way that we do things to make it a little more uh, efficient or a lot more efficient. We're bringing in all kinds of watermelons. All We just finished with the corn. We've got tomatoes out there, green beans, cantaloupes, uh, lots of zucchini, peppers, onions. It's all carrots. It's all coming in now. So it's a really busy time to be able to process and put up that stuff. So that's amazing. I just can't yeah. believe you get to grow all that right there. I have, the best I can do is I, I made it to the grocery store over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's as good as it gets over here. But listen, we should launch into our readings right a little bit and look at them. Uh, I'm really curious this time, was there a particular reading that really spoke to you or jumped out at you, Dr. Peter? The first one really gripped me. Just the 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 um the uh the mission that was given to Ezekiel, 
right? And the the seriousness of that mission. And and what what struck me was that how Ezekiel was called to do something where he probably was going to get rejected, right? You know, to 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 confront those that our Lord has identified as wicked, right? And to challenge them and to 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 threaten them. You know, and oftentimes when, you know, prophets did that in the Old Testament, and oftentimes when we try to do a fraternal correction in our day and age, it doesn't land well. And, um, you know, but but that's exactly what our Lord uh, wanted him to do. And that's what God was calling Ezekiel to do out of love so that the uh, the wicked, the Israelites who were acting in wicked ways would not be lost forever. Right. There was this charity, this love, this real love, which is what we're talking about today behind that. Well, one of the things that I was going to bring up and we have those three principles. Right. The three principles to stop escaping from pain. And by pain, that could be sorrow. That could even be something a little less intense as pain and more like being uncomfortable, being awkward, even being uh, inconvenient. We're just (laughs) escaping. And the way that most of us escape is through avoidance. Because I know if I have a conflict with someone, my natural reaction, yours might be different, Dr. Peter, my natural reaction is is to avoid. And I have to like kind of stop myself from just like going, oh, it's not worth it. Or maybe I'll solve this tomorrow or whatever <laughs> it is. But I want to avoid. Right, right. That's very natural. And I think that's really common when it comes to, I'm in a little situation like that just now with uh, our accountant, you know, and I, I actually, there were some things that we had to work through, some things I didn't understand, some things that, you know, had to be resolved. And I avoided doing that for, for a number of days. So I, I do that too, you know, and it actually all worked out. It was great misunderstanding of things. So actually I have to tell you about that later, <laughs> but, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you don't avoid things, uh, you know, often it gets a lot better. So. Yeah, the reading in Ezekiel is actually about like approaching the wicked. So right. wicked sounds a lot worse than your accountant. Right. My accountant is far from wicked. He's actually a solid Catholic guy. So, um, right. you know, so so that's good, right? If someone is wicked, I mean, clearly they're doing something that's seriously wrong. Right. Um, and and, and, if, and he's saying, you know, go talk to them, try to turn them from their way. Dissuade them, um, yeah. And that even if they if they turn away... They don't listen to you. You're actually saving yourself, which right. kind of implies if you don't even bother, you're kind of not saving yourself. You're not saving yourself. No, I mean, I don't think it's a kind of thing. I think this is, I think it's very clear to Ezekiel in here that if he doesn't carry out his prophetic mission, he's doomed. Right. Like, I think it's just very black and white, right? So, so that's one of the things that, you know, really struck, struck me was just how, um, you know, in some ways, like this sounds severe, right? You know, it kind of reminds me of the gospel passage of the man who was afraid and uh, buried his talent, right? And because he was afraid of, of, of what his master would say or if he lost it or whatever. And I think this is another example where, you know, you're going to have the graces you need to do what you need to do. I need you to take some initiative, our Lord tells us. I need you to take some initiative here and really and make the attempt. Right. And the outcome isn't the outcome isn't on Ezekiel. Right. The outcome isn't on him because the uh, the Israelites have that free will. Individually, they can decide, you know, am I going to turn? Am I going to repent? Am I going to come back into the arms of God or am I going to uh, keep my distance? Right. Am I going to preserve the uh, the uh, the isolation from God? 
Yeah, I like to. I really like to link that up with the readings from St. Paul because here, St. Paul says beautiful things in, in this in the in this chapter thirteen about loving the your neighbor as yourself. But he also talks about prayer, and he says that we have to if two or three are gathered together, like it's pretty much implying. Um, that well, that's the gospel. That's the gospel, gospel for today. Sorry, that was Jesus. I was mixing right. them up. So right. I'm looking, I meant to go to Jesus. I was looking at my note, and I was realizing I couldn't find what I was looking for. This is implying if we pray, two or three are gathered, pretty much whatever we want is going to happen, which can't possibly be correct. Because when we pray, lots of times we pray for things, and they don't happen. So he must mean something by that. So I really want to, so I, I was really puzzled with that. And I was really like trying to figure that one out. Um, Cause I, clearly he is talking about the power of prayer and that coming together in prayer is powerful, but in what way? Because I think that a lot of times when we pray, we're actually praying to escape from something mm. so, or to avoid something, or it's just something we want. And it's, and it's a selfish prayer. And I think that if we pray um, for just what we want, it might even, even if that one thing seems like it's a good, if it's not aligned with God's will or God's greater purpose, it can't happen. So when we pray, we need to be praying for God's will. We need to be praying for real good, but we don't always know what that is. Like if I pray for my hockey team to win, I'm kind of praying for another hockey team to lose, right? Like on some level, I know that's yeah. a really, like silly. Yeah, example, no, no, that makes sense to me. But we don't think that big. God does, but we don't think that big. We don't know the other hockey team, and and whether God has it, he cares which maybe he doesn't care which hockey team wins. But but <laughs> but I'm just saying we 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 sometimes pray for things like Lord, don't let this bad thing happen. Lord, don't make me, well, let's say for this wicked, like what if we're praying, Lord, um, make this wicked person turn toward you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that might seem like a good prayer, right? And we, and God is calling in, the, in Ezekiel, he's calling us to go talk to that person. But my prayer can't force somebody to do a good. Right. Right. He chooses not because he has free will. God has given him free will. So he, that person can't choose to do, uh, well, they can choose, but they may choose not to, right? Right. Uh, I can pray, God, let your will be done, Lord, whatever. I pray that, pray good for that person. But we don't have God's perspective in our prayer. So I guess that's, does that hitting you okay? Or because I mean, this is yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I always have a little trouble when you know the interpretation runs counter to the actual words in Scripture. I mean, that always is uncomfortable, right? So it says in here in the New American Bible translation, again, Amen. I say to you, if the if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. Right. So I think the I think what you're what you're getting at is that the good in the prayer will be accomplished. The good intentions of the prayer will be accomplished somehow, right? Um, To the degree allowed for by human free will and, you know, purified from whatever uh, selfish or 
um, you know, kind of ulterior motives the the two Christians who are praying would have. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Okay, I, I was years and years ago. I was in this interdenominational, like, kind of prayer Bible study group or whatever. And I remember this one guy. It was a Protestant, and he believed um, in this sort of like faith, like the strong faith, whatever. And he had an ear. He had an ear condition. You know, like he, he couldn't hear out of his right ear. And it actually affected him at work and affected his self-esteem. And they believe strongly that the reason that God didn't hear heal his ear was because they just didn't have enough faith. And they had to pray harder, stronger, better, or whatever. And that ear would be healed. So they saw it as a failing on their part. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. I believe sincerely they were really good people. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, that's a big setup for disappointment and heartbreak. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, and I'm Catholic. And so I was kind of thinking, you know, I know this sounds strange and we don't know God's ways, but there might be a reason that God allows you to have this hearing issue. It is a suffering that may be transformative. We want to escape pain. We want to escape discomfort always because we're human right right sometimes we have to really look past that to kind of embrace understand right allow god to support us with our suffering and our pain and our difficulties rather than just escape or avoid them right right and that's what this the first principle is don't try and escape pain Okay, so that's the first principle. The don't first don't try to, to escape pain. So let's let's turn it around. And so, what does that mean? We should do, Doctor Jerry. Does that mean we embrace it? Does that mean we gut it out? Does that mean we what? What are we supposed to do with the pain? It, yeah, yeah. So we bring it to prayer, right? Okay. Not just God take away the pain, but God help me understand. It might be God help me understand this why this pain is. It might be a question of offering that pain you know, for some other purpose. It might be a question of God help me support me through this pain or this loss or this difficulty. But all those prayers that are unselfish, I believe God will answer those. Well, let me throw out another one, which is one that's maybe harder even yet. And that is, how is this pain a gift from you? Mm. Right? How is it, how does it fit into your providential plans for me. And you know what? The thing is that we might not understand, right? Because uh, God's ways are not our ways, right? His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. There may be things that we are just not able to understand. And it's in moments like those where we have the opportunity to demonstrate faith, right? And to, to trust anyway. Exactly. Because a lot of times, I, I certainly have tendencies towards this. If I don't understand it, then I'm not going to accept it, right? Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna to rebel against things that I don't understand. And one of the things I'm learning, especially from Saint Teresa of Lisieux and the whole concept of spiritual childhood, is that there are times we're not going to be able to understand. Just like little kids can sometimes not understand, like why they have to go and see the doctor, why they have to have a surgery, you know, that's going to be painful. You know, there's no way to explain it you know, in a way that they're going to be able to grip on to that. So, so in humility, sometimes we're going to have to say, yeah, I'm, you know, I may not be able to understand this. And that's where, uh, that's where we have to rely on the grace of faith. Right. 
exactly. No, I think that's a great point. Right. And, and sometimes it is like Job. You have to just at the end of the story say, you're God. <laughs> I'm not. Your ways are not my ways. And, right. and there's an acceptance that happens. Right. This is kind of a surrender. Right. right. So the, uh, the psychological obstacle for not trying to escape pain is avoidance. We want to avoid. Right. We want to escape. We want to run away. We want to pretend it's not there. We want to, you know, just in any way get around it. And God is calling us into it, to lean right. into that pain rather than escape it. Well, well it's natural. It's natural for people who want to escape. Oh, yeah, you're being attacked by a bear. Run. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I'm not sure you should run. I, I, you know, I'm trying to remember my survival training, and I don't think you actually run from bear. Well, it depends on what kind of bear. But black bear versus black bear, there's some yeah, stuff. there's there's some differences there. But, um, but uh, <laughs> hopefully nobody's accosted by a bear while listening to this podcast, right? So, well, um, but yeah, I mean, I that's one of the things I see all the time as a as a, especially as a trauma therapist, right? And when when people come in, there's all kinds of ways that they're psyches are naturally set up to try to avoid being overwhelmed by the implications of the trauma, right? By the trauma response. And one of the things that we eventually can get to, um, sometimes sooner, sometimes later, though, is actually uh, addressing what the experience of trauma really was. And we do that in a way that's much more titrated, much more modulated, so that they're not overwhelmed. And then that leads to the kind of integration uh, that helps to uh, resolve the symptoms that they're experiencing. So it's it's about coming to grips with what you said before that reality, right? Um, then we talk about the real love, like what's actually happening. So, right. So that's really important. Yeah, no, those are amazing points. Um, the the second principle, all right, because I think there's a flow from from this. Um, so what's the first principle again? Just review the first principle. The, the kind of they paid. Okay. The second one is don't do it alone. Okay. And that speaks again to Matthew where he says to when two or three are gathered, because basically in prayer, like come together and pray together to support each other and, and come before God together. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so don't do you know, all these, if it's a loss, if it's uh, something painful you're dealing with, if it's some kind of struggle or conflict, come together and pray together. And, and similarly, um, with the, with the uh, thing with you have a conflict with your brother, right? And then you go talk to him individually. It says go once individually. And then if he doesn't listen, bring two or three wise people to help you resolve it and have witnesses. So again, don't do, if somebody is being difficult, Right. And, and you've tried already to talk to them. Don't do it alone. <laughs> so in other words, support each other. Lots of reasons for that. Not only support. Right. To have the support of other people. Right. Because so many of us, especially in the in the U.S. Right. Try to do it alone. That rugged individualism. Uh, but also, you know, other people can provide another perspective. Right. It's not that you're going to go in and gang up on the person that you know you're you're making the correction to it's that uh it's often there to i think from a psychological perspective having another person there who's actually trying to love the other person as well the one that's in need of correction uh that that actually can have a really soothing effect 
Um, so there's there's good psychological wisdom in these recommendations from our Lord. It's not just in the spiritual realm, it's in the psychological realm. Yeah. And then also, you know, sometimes that can help rein us in. Like sometimes, you know, if we're losing it a little bit, right, we're kind of like not so recollected anymore. We're kind of getting taken over ourselves. The other person can say, hey, 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 hey. Let's, 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 let's tone it down. Let's back it off a little bit, right? To create a, a better, safer environment so that the the mode of the receiver, you know, can be broadened, right? So that we can really make it as easy as possible for the person that we're correcting to take in that correction, right? You know, it makes me think of systems theory, right? Because that's, as American family therapists, we, we do uh, something called systems the- uh, theory. And, and really the idea there would be you know, if an individual comes in, say it's a, a husband and he complains about his wife and how all the issues, I'm there to support him, of course, and talk it through and work it through. But if I get his wife to come in also, if I listen to her too, I'm going to get a better, I'm going to get a better understanding of what's going on. If I bring right. in kids, I'm going to get another level of understanding. If I bring in his parents and the bigger extended family, I'm going to get a whole other view you know to understanding so right really, like exactly what you're saying if you're coming in to correct somebody to bring in more than one person is going to add probably add value and greater understanding to what's really going on yeah, again if the intentions are good right sometimes there's um you know, sometimes they're, you know, being human, we might not be aware of our motives, you know, and I think that's something that we really want to look at. You know, we want to remove the beam from our own eye before we look at the speck in our brother's eye. But if we do that and we're coming at this from a perspective of really a, a big open heart toward the other person, yeah. it's so much better. I mean, I've seen that, you know, with, uh, with, uh, with Pam, you know, with my wife, when we work with our kids, you know, we found that it's really helpful if there's got to be addressing some issues, some problem, you know, to have both of us there. Right. Um, you know, because, you know, being there together, uh, often, you know, supplies a little, a little more support to the child. And sometimes the child feels more connected to one of us or the other of us, you know, and so that makes it easier for the child to be there in that experience as well. So, yeah, no, I love it. So don't do it alone. The psychological barrier to that I identified as isolation, right? When we're avoiding, like avoiding pain, and then we are going it and we're we're withdrawing into ourselves or whatever. Then we isolate. Um, then we have a tendency to uh, stew about things. We have a tendency to uh, procrastinate. We have a tendency to self-blame. Isolation is a really bad place to stay when uh, when there's a conflict or when there's pain. Now, that doesn't mean, though, Dr. Jerry, or maybe it does. You tell me, right? I'm, I'm thinking about this. That, 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 if we take some time and we just take it to our Lord and we're with our Lord, you're not calling that isolation, right? Just because there's no other people around? Okay. No, no. So, okay. so obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for making that point. Um, we do need time to ourselves. We need time to pray. We need time to reflect, go for a walk think about it, you know, uh, all those things, right, before we then engage. But when I'm talking about isolation is is a part of avoidance. Okay. We're basically um, stonewalling other people, so we're refusing to talk. Mm -hmm. We're hiding away somewhere. 
we're maybe we're uh, this is where a lot of addiction can happen because you know I'm just going to escape into some other world. Maybe I'm just going to binge watch television, or I'm going to just you know spend lots and lots of time in pornography, or uh, just you know avoiding things is isolation. Yeah, really important distinction uh, to make. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and then that takes us to the third. The third principle for exercising real love is, this was a tricky one. <laughs> uh, it's destroy your enemies with love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you got you to help me out here because destroying our enemies, like what, what, what do you, there's obviously something going on there, right? You know? Yeah. So let's, 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 so you're being, you're being provocative here, Dr. Jerry. You tell, tell us a little more what you mean. Well, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I have a tendency, right? Like we have a tendency when um, someone has hurt us, right? To hurt them back, right? We have a tendency or to brood, to go into a state of and get really resentful and really negative. And what happens to us then is we're affected, right? And then our capacity to love is minimal. And we basically, maybe we want revenge in some way, or we then, or we just isolate, like you're saying, or we just feel so bad, we look for a way to escape, right? So our prayer then becomes make that person less of a jerk right? Or something like that, right? And that becomes mm -hmm. our prayer, right? I, I don't think that's what St. Paul, for example, is calling us to here. I think that we're being called to something kind of different. So what does it mean to love rather than break the commandments? Because we have basically this, the, the counter, right? Let me just look. I just want to find it again here. Yeah, he says, oh, oh nothing to anyone except to love one another. So it's not just that we should be nice. We actually have a debt to pay, in a sense. The debt is love. We have to give love, is what we're being called to there. Um, and the one who loves another is um, has fulfilled the law, right? So he's calling us to a greater purpose. As Christians, we're not just fulfilling the basics of the law, so I'm just not going to steal and I'm just not going to commit adultery or something. And I'm just minimally doing what I'm supposed to do. We're actually being called to overdo it. And he mentioned stealing, adultery, killing, and coveting. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? To truly destroy with love. In other words, um, okay, so if someone is, um, is doing something wrong to me right how do i love them rather than resent hate or become aggressive to them so i'm just going to pose that question first what do you think dr peter well what's helpful to me is to first of all recognize who is an enemy right because a lot of times we want to pretend that our enemies really aren't our enemies how you love an enemy is different than how you love a friend you know, or how you love a spouse. Well, sometimes spouses can be enemies, but you know, I mean, how you, so, so part of it for me is like really knowing the other person, like being able to kind of understand where they're coming from. So. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just say, um, okay. I'm looking at my notes here cause I'm, I'm trying to, I had a good example I wanted to use and I'm having a hard time finding it. Um, okay. So if, 
if we're concerned with um, taking things like like um, like we're no sorry here it is we're so worried about people taking things from us right that we can become locked up in that I'm so afraid that people are going to steal from me that I don't have a spirit of giving right I'm so worried about my wife cheating on me. I don't have a spirit of loving her anymore for some reason, right? It's almost like allowing our fears, allowing um, the letter of the law even or whatever to be to almost create the opposite, right? Like even in, in some of the passage be before, like Christians are called to do better than the pagans, right? Jesus talks about, you know, and we can get into that's another reading, like turning the other cheek and all of that. But let's say... Um, Someone now, okay, okay. This one's tricky. Okay, I'm going to use this word, and it's. I wish I had a better word for it, but the word I have is to be subdued, and I don't like it because subdued implies a passivity, like be a doorknob, Matt. I don't mean that. This is what I mean by being subdued. Um, maybe the, a better word is restrained, but that doesn't mean it either. This is what I mean. Um, if somebody is is um, having a bad day. Say it doesn't matter if it's somebody I care about or not, and they if it is somebody I care about, it actually is a little harder. And they say something unkind to me, right? Like, oh, uh, are you, uh, you know, you or, like they get up and they're in a bad mood and they're making coffee and I'm already up. Oh, aren't you an early bird, right? Or uh, or something that's a little mild maybe, but something a little like uh, negative. Okay. The human response would be to go, what's your problem, right? Or, sorry, you're in a bad mood, right? Something sarcastic or something, you know, back at them. That would be a normal human response. It would be understandable, probably, somebody was acting like that. But what is the Christian, what is destroying someone with love? Okay, and there's a fine line between this being subdued that I'm talking about and being sarcastic. Okay, it's easy to slip into sarcasm with this, but it would be more like being able to say something like, um, oh, I know, you know, this, you know, I know I get up early every morning. It must be hard to, you know, the fact that I feel cheerful in the morning must be difficult for you. I'm sorry. Not being sarcastic with that, but do you, I'm trying to get the idea across here that you're, you're taking it in in a subdued way. You're already... You're not, by subdued, I mean, you're not holding a weapon at them. You're right. already rela maybe relaxed. You're already kind of detached. And you're willing to just, you know what, take it in and love them back. Right, right. So I'm thinking of like words like recollected, meek, okay. mild, you know, just, you know, being, 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 um, being a, 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 that big open heart, right? That presence that, um, you know, that can tolerate uh, being injured, you know, or tolerate being, um, yeah. you know, that can sustain a wound, you know, like a, like a cutting remark or something like that and in not responding kind, right? But right. to actually think, okay, what is this person's highest good? You know, maybe they're really struggling with something that I don't know about, you know, and not, and trying to see them in three dimensions in a, in a, in a, you know, with some gentleness and some uh, compassion rather than just reducing him into two dimensions and condemning them for being a jerk or something like that. 
Exactly. No, that's I like right. it. I like the way you put that. Right. You know, I did. I was uncomfortable with the word subdued, but I was trying to get across the idea of yeah, recollection of being relaxed, even mm-hmm. in the face of someone else having an issue, and right. and and that love, and it has to be sincere. Not for me that I think for me sarcasm can slip in, so I have to be real careful. <laughs> but when it's sincere, then the person themselves is sometimes really shocked by that. And in fact, right. it even opens up their own bad behavior. Kind of right. like, you know, I don't know, like in the civil rights movement when it was televised with people being, they were being peacefully protesting, you know, in Selma or wherever, and they were being beaten. And and it was like the whole world went, whoa, that that's wrong. That's wrong, yeah. They were, they were kind of just being uh passive but they weren't being doormats but right. what happened is they kind of were just being loving in a sense and the uh, it, it revealed the the sin of the other right so that right. tricky one to do artfully is to be remain composed be loving even when someone else is being negative and it then it it puts a light on their their negativeness. Well, it does. It also requires you to have like some some psychological work already done. Like I can imagine some folks are still working to have enough of 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 enough boundaries, you know, enough limits to where they can do that without being exploited, right? So some people, it kind of depends on where you are in your in your developmental trajectory uh, in the natural realm. There are some people who I actually encourage to do more fighting because developmentally that's what they need to do. And others, they don't need to because they've already kind of got that developmental work done. So for me, thinking about this developmentally is really important, like as to like what's in the what's in the person's repertoire, you know, what's in their what's in their what's in their uh, sort of arsenal of responses, you know, what can they choose from? Sometimes the best thing is to actually flee from a situation because staying in it is just going to lead to harm. I mean, that's even happened for me. Like when things get really heated sometimes with kids, sometimes the best thing I can do is to leave the room come get back into that space of being recollected, of being calm, right? Of being your word subdued rather than try to stay in it, right? Um, in that moment. So so this is really, I, you know, I just want people to think about this in a dynamic way. Like, let's just take a look at what the resources are that you have at that moment. And let's not expect that it's just going to be miraculously sub, sub, supplemented, you know, by God, you know, that we want to we want to be thoughtful and humble enough to recognize what our resources are at that time. So, no, I think. Thank you. That's a really good qualifier. And because yeah. this is a this is a takes time and practice and a long time to get to a place of that level of detachment where we can where we're not affected by someone else's bad behavior. But right. I think walking away is always an option if somebody is being truly harmful in some way. Oh, yeah. I mean, there may be times where that's that's absolutely the best course of action. There are times where Jesus walked away, right? Or where he just shut down, right? He wasn't going to talk to Herod, you know, because he didn't have a sense that, he, you know, he knew that Herod wasn't actually with him in relationship. Herod, you know, was coming from a, a place of wickedness. So um, the obstacle here, though, I think it remains the psychological obstacle that one needs to fight against to be able to love enemies, basically, is fighting against resentment. 
because once we become resentful, then now we're affected, right? We can have a true grievance with someone, right? And that's an issue. But when we are filled up with resentment, we can't, so to speak, destroy with love. It's just not going to be, we're, we're, we're just not able to. So you're saying, are you saying, Dr. Jerry, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. Are you saying that if we're feeling resentment, we can't love other people? I am. I think that it's, or at least we're very compromised if we have resentment. Now, we can have a grievance. I, I separate those two. In other words, we, there may be an issue with someone else's behavior that needs to get addressed. Just like in the, the story of going over to your brother and telling him about what's wrong. That guy had a grievance with his brother. If he had resentment in his heart, he probably needs to look at that. Expose it means what we suppose it depends on how you define resentment, because I think some of people's finest moments uh, in terms of their, you know, they're really loving other people happen when they're angry. Uh, happen when they don't do certain things, you know, when they, you know, when they hold themselves back. If you mean by resentment, something that you're nurturing, that you're harboring, you know, that you're nourishing, you know, yep. this resentment, hatred in your heart, well, then that's, then I would totally agree with that. But I think also resentment can happen. It depends again, how you define it. It's kind of spontaneously, right? Somebody, somebody acts out against me, cuts me off on the freeway, puts me in a dangerous situation, you know, uh, you know, and I, if I, you know, grit my teeth and pray for them anyway, rather than get on the horn, you know, uh, that's not what you're talking about with resentment then, right? Um, I'm talking more about that harboring okay. um, ill will. So the will, the will is involved then. It's not just an emotion. It's, it's a, it's so a, it's a, it's a will. Angry, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Right. You have a natural reaction of being angry. Right. But if you're, if you're holding a resentment, then you're kind of like holding a grudge. You're right. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me. Then I, then we're on the same page. Then we're on the same page. Yeah. 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 Cause I think especially, you know, some of these elements of avoidance and resentment and isolation um, are things that I work with people on all the time who have addictions. And so a lot of people with addictions and all of us though, and, and we all have some kind of level of addiction, I think in, in it's a very addictive world. Um, but people with serious addictions hold on to a lot of resentments and it prevents them from looking at themselves. And because you stay stewed, you stay angry, you stay harboring grudges. And it really is important to let those go and start looking differently at the situation. And it's very empowering, actually, to be able to choose to love, even when other people aren't always behaving lovingly. Um, it can be. But it is hard. All right, we're we're getting really odd. We've got it. This was a good discussion. We're getting long winded here, aren't we, Doctor Jerry? Uh, to wrap it up, oh, I, I did want to promote Be True Course. So because we were talking a little bit about insecure attachment here with avoidance and isolation, and that's one of the things that gets addressed in the Be True Course. The Be True Course is for couples or anyone seeking to uh, end uh, an addiction or problem with pornography. But the special feature of this course is that it is designed for couples. Now, do you have to be a couple? Do you have to do this with your have to. partner? So had, there have been people that have taken it as individuals to just understand right. the whole addiction process and understand issues related to pornography addiction in particular. But um, but what is cool is that the, uh, the, the spouse is also included in the right. Right. depression 
It's not just geared toward uh, the person in the addiction. So there you are. We, there you are, two gathered then, right? The husband and the wife, just like in Matthew, right? Where we were talking about yeah, where two come together. Alone. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, so the action item, we're just going to we'll have to wrap up real quick with the action item. I was zooming in on that last one. And here is to, the idea here was to choose an act of love toward an, and I say enemy, but it doesn't have to be a true enemy. It could be just someone you're holding resentment against. It could be a spouse or a family member or a friend. Uh, and, and, and to choose to make an act of love rather than stay in that resentment. So in order to do that, you've got to identify the problem. You've got to identify, you might need to spend some time in prayer, right? You may need to do something to look at why am I holding on to that resentment and um, and choosing not to avoid the problem, choosing not to just isolate or ignore the problem, but to choose to um, some kind of an act of love. Sound good? Okay. Well, right. I, I think that's great. So yep. excellent. Okay. We've kind of gone over time. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, we hope you're still with us. I hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this episode. Lots of really good meaty readings here. A lot of complexity to them. So, uh, yeah. uh, enjoy our time together, Dr. Peter. I always do as well, Dr. Jerry. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And I want to thank all of our listeners and our viewers you know, for supporting Be With The Word and, and being with us consistently week after week. It's a blessing to have you as well. So yeah, check out, check out soulsandhearts.com. We got lots of great things going on there. Um, there's more and more that we're adding to the, to the site every day and, um, and uh, almost every day. And uh, let us know, give us some feedback and then like us and subscribe and all that social media stuff that helps us. Yes, subscribe. All right. Until then, be still. Believe. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.